with David Ian and Kate Dale. The show that plums the depths of mediocrity, celebrates the ordinary, and enjoys the everyday. Hi everyone, welcome to Mediocre Gay, the podcast. I'm David Ian. And I'm Kate Dale. And what have you done this week, or found out this week, that's super mediocre, well, Kate? David, I'm glad you asked me that because I've been doing some more research and You're doing some I more work. You. Yes. <laughs> well, otherwise, what would we be doing? What would we do? Right. So I was really interested, and I feel this is the power of our podcast is already is already impacting on the outside world, which is quicker okay. than I expected. But uh, John Lewis uh, released some research this week in their consumer spending reports, and apparently their big focus now and what consumers are really wanting now is it's not about the big and the extraordinary anymore. What they're wanting is just everyday moments of joy, which I feel is very much so what we're talking about. So you think we have influenced the marketing department of John Lewis? I Yeah, absolutely. Do you want to hear what trends expert Michelle Ogundillon... what expert? She's a trends expert. I don't know how one becomes a trends expert. I don't think we're going to be asked. I don't think we're anywhere near. No. Go on. Apparently there is a growing appreciation that we can buy a beautiful candle and sit outside with friends and we don't need to be on a beach in Marbella. She doesn't live in London, does she? She doesn't live in London, because I think I would like to be on a beach in Marbella. <laughs> you don't want to sit outside with a candle in London. I do also you, don't do want to spend 80 quid on a candle, to be honest. So what, that's what they're calling every day, is sitting outside well, with a candle? Well, that's what she... That that's doesn't what, sound that's like what most people's every day. trends experts are. But they've also been looking at um, the way that they organise a department, so it's going to be around moments and themes and theory and um, things that you can do to just bring a bit of everyday joy to your family and to your daily existence, rather like than it what? being about big experiences... Um, so, uh, for example, it's like having a nice dinner service with your dinner. It's about having people around to watch Netflix parties, apparently. Do you know what? I'm slightly offended, and I did not think I would be, but I'm slightly offended that a store like John Lewis, which sells expensive items, is trading on the everyday idea. Like, well, that's not everyday for most people. It's exactly. It's incredibly privileged. Also, they have their ups and downs. Do you want to know what's hot and what's not and what's going up in terms of sales? I guess. Because this is coming out of lockdown as well. Uh, so occasion hats are now, there's been a big growth in occasion hats. Oh, come on, this is not... Occasion hats? <laughs> yep. Uh, changing robes, particularly the ones for if you're going outdoor swimming, you have to spend a ridiculous amount of money what now. What is a changing robe? It's a, like a big towel, but it's a robe that when you're doing your wild swimming, because it's not swimming outdoors, it's wild swimming now, remember, it's been rebranded, that you then get into your mega expensive branded dry robe to help you get dry. It's... Uh I know. None of this is sounding even remotely every day. I, I don't go wild swimming. I don't need a special robe to get changed in. What you're it, describing sounds like a large dressing gown. It is. Champagne flutes and glasses. No, not every day. Uh, boyfriend jeans. I'd need a boyfriend. Uh, women's blazers. Mm, more likely. Ha oh. Smart menswear. Where are you wearing this? We're all working from home. Well, no, you see, we're not now. And oh, this is going down. This is going up. This is us coming out. I'm going to get to the going down. Wired bras are back. No comment. Laptop bags and ironing boards. This very much feels like a list from the 50s. It's just putting women back into servitude while we're all trussed up with boards. our... Yeah. I just don't iron. I get you to do my ironing. I did it once. And that was a <laughs> that nice... That was the time. last time I had it, well, anything that was iron. <laughs> I know. I just suddenly sound like I'm in sort of weird coercive relationship, which I'm worried is what this sounds like anyway. It's me being a nice friend. Do you want to know what's going down, David? I... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Stop writing your own joke. It's not yeah. that sort of podcast. Jigsaws. Oh, the Queen played a lot of jigsaws. Well, there you go. But you see, now that we're coming out of lockdown, we don't need to produce jigsaws anymore. Velour tracksuits are going down. 
God. Bread bins because we've stopped making sourdough. Uh, Non-wired vase. Microwaves. Can I ask about the bra situation? Yeah. If there's no they wire. I'm one, but that's a weird. goodness. If there's no wire. I, so the wire is to keep it up. So if there's no wire, how do they? Elastic and straps. And there's a whole thing about how up should they be anyway. That's very much forgetting. I mean, there's like we could, yeah. You just tuck them in. Well, mine's been obviously ran by my knees at my age now anyway. I can tie them in a bow. But um, yeah, it's how perky should they be? Because they're just lumps of fat at the end of the day mm. that some men get weirdly upset. Oh, I quite like them as well. Anyway, uh, microwaves down. Soup makers. You know, why would microwaves be down? I was reading the other day about the whole thing that we're supposed to be using microwaves more because it's so much less, so much more energy efficient. So with the, like the price of fuel and whatever, it's going to be cheaper to cook your potato in a yeah, we're all going out, I think. But then this is probably pre session. Out. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Seat makers. And they're no longer selling, and this is controversial, these wall-mounted desks. They've deleted them from the catalogue. I know, I didn't even quite understand that there was such a thing as a wall-mounted desk. Why is that controversial? It's why not controversial. I was just trying to make it sound more interesting than it actually is. On that note, uh, we've got a guest. Yes. Uh, Stand-up comedian from Surrey. Just... <laughs> <laughs> He's a writer. Not he writes video so games for a, a living. Um, like, and like, tell he's you. a man. He's here. He will talk. Don't think it was that. really difficult not to do it in that accent. That you do. <laughs> <laughs> not to give away one of your We're jokes. Trying to steal one of his jokes. It's like he's a beautiful person. I think there's the, the, an up and coming comedian who everyone sold out show. And I know. I'm just like, like, this, this is a man. This from is Surrey. a guy from Surrey. Uh, <laughs> This is a really fantastic stand-up comedian um, who's also a professional writer um, who did take money from J.K. Rowling. I have to tell people to give me compliments, it seems. So, <laughs> welcome, Michael Pays! It is lovely to be here. <laughs> <laughs> lovely to wherever we are. <laughs> uh, do you want to do a better introduction for who you are and what your background is rather than that car crash that I just uh, did? No, no, that was, that was, that was, that was the best that I could do. I would just feel like I'm quite Otherwise it will be your set, won't it? So just like, he's an, like, an, do you want me to write your Tinder profile? <laughs> uh, my Tinder profile is... Um, uh, I can't remember what I have on it. I have like, uh, it's 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 really self-deprecating. It's, am I supposed to be speaking into? Yeah, this just so that people can hear you. I thought they were so sort of like high tech that they can they can pick me up you from just the other speak side very quietly. Oh, do I? <laughs> um, it's because I don't want to take up space. Obviously, I'm afraid of taking. Up and space. you're a stand-up comedian. I am a stand-up comedian. Um, and so I think that's a that's that's bringing us on to being mediocre. I uh, that's the really interesting thing. I think is that sometimes you you you're either at the extreme. I'm at the extremes all the time. Either I'm the greatest person that's ever lived or, or I'm awful. What you're describing is manic. Yes, that's the thing. I am. That All thing. right, so before we get into whatever this <laughs> is, I uh, brought my trauma. Tell us what, uh, what, you do, what, what does mediocre mean to you? What do you define as mediocre? What do you define mediocre as? Genuinely, I mean, I've been listening, thinking about, yeah, I think I might disagree with everyone else you've had on because I think it just means boring. Um, I really hate it. I hate the term. I don't think it's, um, I don't, I, I, I can understand that sort of like etymologically it is average and it means kind of like in the middle, but I don't really believe necessarily in it. Like I think, I, that, yeah, I think it's, I think it, for me, it just, it's a negative term for being sort of like boring and, and it's connected with fear, like trying to be mediocre is trying to sort of like, like hide away and be sort of, like, um, and not be kind of, um, what's the word? 
and 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 not stick out. It's about it's it's about I think it's that, about fear. I think you yeah. pretty much do agree with. Most no, of no, because I feel like it's like I don't think of it like in a positive. <coughs> I feel like everyone's been quite positive about the oh, it's it's okay to be mediocre. It's okay to be that, and I actually just think it's not okay. It's like, it's... but I think I think what you're saying like there's a security in being mediocre. I think um, Jeremy and I spoke <gasps> about that before. It's about not taking up too much space. I said it. It's very much about like lower expectations. Um, and I think when I describe myself as the mediocre gay, it's it's really about like controlling people's expectations around me. I think we're on okay. similar pages. What do you uh, love? Sorry. And I think what I'm getting from that is that, which I think it would be the same for you as well, but if it was an epithet, if that's the right word, or a word that was applied to you, it would feel like an insult and it would be something that you would... Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I think, and it would be yeah. possibly one of your worst fears. Maybe, yeah. No, to be boring, yeah, that is one. That is probably the worst thing. I always said, if you can't be happy, try and be interesting, <laughs> uh, which is not a <laughs> good again, motto to live Germanic. by. <laughs> which which one are you? <laughs> oh, well, no, it's like, it's like oh, I, yeah, I don't think I'm happy, so I'm pr- I've always tried to be interesting. Um, that sounds really. That sounds really sad. I but it's like, I like we need a button for a medical health professional. I've always wanted to be interesting. Yeah. I don't want, like. Um, I've always wanted to try and do the interesting thing, or to try and become be a more exciting person. Probably because I just don't necessarily think that I am. Ooh, maybe I haven't thought deep enough about this. <laughs> so, we think you're interesting. Good. We spend a lot of time talking about you. Oh. Well, mainly David. No, just mainly just, just like, <laughs> it's all just like, how can we help him? Yeah, we're always psychoanalyzing <laughs> you. You're mad as a box of frogs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I really am. Uh, um, what do you like that's mediocre? Um, yeah, I thought a lot about things because there are lots of things which are kind of like mainstream and boring, which I really enjoy, but I couldn't, because I, the things that I really get passionate about, I just can't see as mediocre. So it was really, really hard. I was going to talk about the, uh, the, uh, yeah, I had loads of ideas. I was going to talk about loads of films, which I think are really boring, like Sliding Doors and Duets, mainly Gwyneth Paltrow movies, um, really mediocre film career. Um, and I was going to talk about Javeen. No, oh. um, I thought about Javine a lot because <laughs> like, I was really into one of her songs. Wow, um, the music songs. career of Minnie Driver was one of the options. Um, she had a music Driver. career, did she? I love yeah, Minnie Driver. She had one song, and it, I really loved it. Is one song a career? I think it was like an album, and she tried to make it work, and it didn't work. And I think she's fabulous. Um, anyway, but I decided to talk about Gatwick Airport. So what way. you what you actually did was give us a, a quick tour of your pop culture references. I just really because Gatwick Airport's really like it's, 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 I don't have much to say about it. I only have personal experiences. So okay, why um, do you? I just, want to talk, I just wanted to get Javine in there to be quite honest with you. I've yeah, got a lot of pleased. time. She'll be grateful. Yeah. Is, is is Gatwick Airport mediocre? I quite like Gatwick Airport. I really like the new branding for Gatwick Airport. Just to oh, I haven't seen. I think I always thought of it as quite. A, a, I. Yeah, it's like really, it's a bland thing. Airports are bland and boring. Like there's no, you, you can't, people aren't going to, no one's going to take a bullet see, for, for standard. Terminal 5 at Heathrow is kind of white and shiny and exciting and it feels like. Oh, you see Heathrow can go fuck itself. I have no oh, but Terminal 5, it. which is the BA one and it's the new no. one and it's a much better shape. So you're not walking for miles and miles and miles. And but it's, yeah, it's so not he, mediocre. It's, here's yeah. the thing. I think that um, when Gatwick was owned by British Airports Association, BAA, the same people that owned Heathrow and... A number of others i think it was quite boring and now a few years ago it was bought out by more of an independent organization like a some sort of how do you know this because i'm I weird had to, because the um in 2008 the competition board competition was saying, competition. saying oh it's a monopoly right. it's not interesting um but it's true 
But since <laughs> since it was no longer part of the group, I think it's become quite an interesting place. It's got a bit of an identity. Ugh. It feels different to the other airports. Mm, I don't. I because I, 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 because in my heart of hearts, I know it is boring. But I kind of I think the whole point about this, I thought the 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 mission was like it's mediocre. It is boring, but I love it. Well, that's and that's and I don't that is the mission. Yeah. yeah, but what do you love about it, and what is it that you think that people see as mediocre? Because I, I also, yeah. what you're getting confused about here is I also love it. Yeah, I mean, I don't love anything about sort of like the infrastructure or the that the, I just love what it means. I mean, I grew up. Also, I have a really personal connection to it. I grew up. I have all these stories about Gatwick because I grew up just down the road. So it was like in that very, very, very boring, boring kind of like wasteland in the middle of the southeast. The main area that's used for like. Car parks for us flying off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The main industry is just like, like duty free. Mm. Uh, that's where the, the, the it's the major employer for like all the towns around there. And it's a really boring part of the world. And right in the middle, the only interesting thing in the middle of this place where I grew up is is Gatwick Airport. And we kind of used to go there on trips as kids because it's like a really cheap. Well, it's free. It's like um... I used to work at a. Um, I spent a year after university working at a, a college for uh, young people with special needs. And visual difficulties um, in Redhill, and we used to take them on a on a night out to <gasps> to Gatwick. Was it the Orpheus Centre? Uh, no, Heatherset College. I don't think it's there anymore. It's between Redhill and Rygate. Yeah, that's where my mum was. My mum was. Oh, really? Do you know Brooklyn's Brooklyn School? Yes, I think right, yeah. That was where my mum worked. My mum was a deputy head at Brooklyn School. How weird! How weird. Oh, I, I didn't realise Community service volunteer for a year yeah, and yeah, just, yeah, knocking yeah, around doing very badly. But yeah, we'd take the kids there and they'd bounce along the travelators and it was just, yeah. It was, it was amazing. It's like, it's like, it was, there was it's like, like, there's, there's like a, a... a magical little train which goes, yes. unfortunately it's not like that anymore. I think everything's kind of like, it's quite, like we used Sorry. to go and it was like a shopping centre and they'd have these crazy shops yeah. and like, I was just... When you two were saying that you went trips, as in just to the airport, yes. like, yeah. Land side, not air side. Yeah. That is what you do. It, yeah, that's yeah. what that's the travelators. The kids would bounce along the travelators. We'd go like every year. We do. I remember like if people if like we'd go every year instead of going on holiday. We never went on holiday on a flight. I went on a plane for the first time on my own when I was like fourteen. So like, why so were this you is going why... on your own at fourteen? No, no, no. It wasn't on my own. It was like on a school oh, trip. But like, um, that's what I mean about the sort of like the magic of yeah. of, air, of of Gatwick was just kind of like I used to look at those screens and be like, oh my god, it's. I where, love it. I'm obsessed with geography and where and the departure screens and you just stand there and you think I could just go anywhere yeah. and I've never done that. I want to do it. So I'm just take my passport, go passport and a credit card or and whatever, they, and just and just decide on a whim where to go. And sometimes in the shop they'd ask you where you're flying to. Like when we'd go and buy something, like I'd buy like a birthday present or something in one of the shops in Gatwick when I was a kid and they'd sort of say, oh, and where are you flying to today? And I'd be like, and I'd get to pick a country and just say I was going there. I'd be like, I'm going to Brazil. <laughs> and then I had this whole backstory. It's because there's, the, it's, this is what I mean. If you grow, if you have, I mean, clearly you had a far more cosmopolitan, exciting, <laughs> exciting upbringing than I did. But if you have quite a boring upbringing, like somewhere like Gatwick Airport becomes magical. And I have this deep, deep-seated love. I mean, I think Gatwick Airport is magical, but I just didn't realise that people went... Mm. I've, you know, I'd forgotten. I remember going to, because I grew up in Carlisle, going to Newcastle Airport, which is tiny, and spending an afternoon there. My dad had business somewhere near there, so he got me and my sister. We were teenagers. We weren't, like, five. There, and we just spent the afternoon there watching the planes taking off and mm. things. It was really yeah, exciting. We're, we're approaching this from different angles, because I find it exciting from, like, a... Going somewhere. From a, from two points of view, the going somewhere, but also like the logistical point of view. I remember when I was at school, at primary school, with this really cool, uh, what's one of those teachers who comes in temporarily? Supply teacher. A supply teacher. But we had him for like three months. Mr. Townsend, he played a guitar. 
And um, one of the projects that we worked on was that in our little village school, they were going to support, like he had this idea they were going to build an airport. They weren't really, but we were organised into two teams and one was for the airport and one was against. And like the four were, like had to like plan out the airport and do all the plans and everything. And the other ones had to do that. Anyway, this took place over a month. Obviously, I was in charge of one of the groups building the airport. Clearly, yeah. I was a capitalist. Um, but it like got me obsessed with like the logistics of airports and I did like all this research into how they all worked and everything. So I'm excited about it from that point of view. I thank you for clarifying that your village was not actually going to build an airport. <laughs> 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 I think that was important. Yeah. <laughs> it always made me think that I maybe I would end up working in an airport. And my, my granddad actually worked at Gowick. Mm. He um, was like passport control. Oh, it's always felt okay. like the chippy little brother of Heathrow's big brother has not it, and no. it's got an independent, yeah, I more fun. Like like I like that. Yeah, I feel like Heathrow is like this sort of like city wanker who's like yeah. who's going off to all these fabulous destinations all over the world, and Stansted's like a spoiled brat, spotty teenager. And then Gatwick is kind of like a sort of like like a a lovely, lovely lady who's gone back to work for the social life, as opposed to you know, like it's like it's like a real hard (laughs) worker. Description: You should work in their marketing department. (laughs) Well, this is the thing, like because everyone, like everyone's mums at my college and stuff, worked at Gatwick. Like it's just every every time I fly in there, I'm just like, oh, I wonder if I'll see any see anyone, because yeah, I used to sleep there as well. Like what? um, Yeah, because basically, because Gatwick is the only. Uh, Are you describing abuse? No, oh, when I was older. <laughs> so I'll explain if you. Um, for if the, I don't interrupt. Good luck with that. Yeah, no, there's like a. Um, yeah, it's basically because the Gatwick Express runs all night. And it's the only train yeah. out of London which runs all night, except the Heathrow Express, which is like 20 quid. So, because I used to grow up really near Gatwick, I used to go out in London when I was like a teenager. And the clubs would all kick you out at like 2 a.m. And I, the the options were wait at Vic, Victoria or London Bridge for the first train home or get the Gap Express to Gatwick. So oh, I would, smart. and often I'd sort of, I was one of these, I was like, I was one of these people who would just be like, I'm bored, goodbye. And then I just sort of bounce out of the, wherever I was. So I often would sort of find myself alone in London at like 2 a.m. being like, mm, okay, I, I need to, I need to go somewhere. So I'd go down to Gatwick and sleep there. So that Tom Hanks film, it's basically yeah. based on you. I mean, they all, they trying to stop people doing that. So they put sort of like uh, railings in between the, uh, the, the, remember they used to have those long, beautiful sort of like benches, which you could sleep on. Um, they they tried, they put sort of like railings in between, but they didn't realise that I was really skinny. So I could, <laughs> I could get in between them and still sleep. <laughs> totally protected from the world. It was lovely. Isn't the Gatwick Express crazy expensive? Uh, I used to bunk the train. And also there's no ticket inspector at 2am. Um, Life of crime. God, this the things are finding out. No, because basically, because I was because I also refused to buy an adult ticket until I was eighteen because I wasn't an adult. Is that I can't? Oh, drink. Are you an adult now? I'm, well, uh, in the eyes of British Transport Police, <laughs> very much so. Um, I uh, I once actually saw I once the, the I used to uh, do all sorts of stuff to get out of tickets. I'd hide in toilets. I'd climb under seats. I'd, I once fainted <laughs> to try and get out of it. I just like, fainted, but I did once see a woman completely out, sort of like out play me with a ticket uh, inspector she faked a panic attack and it was big she went really really big with her performance the guy asked her for a ticket and she just went oh my god and <laughs> just went this massive oh performance and the guy was i don't know what to do i don't know what to do and he was like okay it's, it's, it's fine it's fine and she, he walked out and the second he was outside she was like and back <laughs> and wow you see i would have a panic i couldn't cope with anxiety of not mm. getting a ticket i'm too law-abiding well, it just wouldn't uh, be worth it so i'm kind of 
Mm-hmm. Impressed by how cool you are. Morally. That's something I ever thought I'd say. I, I used to shoplift really quite a lot as well. Um, I, Who even are you? Yeah. We didn't know you were at all. We didn't know you Only, were a criminal when we invited you on this show. I mean, I used to shop. I mean, I, no, I haven't done it for years. Um, but what, what was the best thing you ever shoplifted? Or the one you found? Oh, my God. Got? Okay. Oh, I, can't, I can't admit that because... Uh, <laughs> I was literally about to tell you. Um, there's a really fancy shop in London and uh, a really fancy shop. Uh, is it the fanciest shop in London? It's one of the fanciest. And I was in their stationery department. I had no money for my friend's birthday present, but I found these beautiful Christiane Lacroix. Um, like, they, they're, they're the most decadent, stupid things in the world. They shouldn't exist. They shouldn't exist. That, that money should have gone to charity. Like, um, it, they were like RSVP cards. So when you've been invited to a fancy party, you can RSVP. They were gold. And I was like, I know the campest motherfucker who is going to love these as their, as their, as their birthday present. But I can't, I can't buy them. They're 40 quid. And they were just sitting there. And, and so then I, they were. So I stole them. And that was last week. No. Uh, <laughs> yeah, sounds recent. No. Anyway. I wondered no. when you replied to this invitation. I thought that's fancy. Yeah. Where <laughs> we got an RSVP. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It arrives on God. Um, so yeah, I stole one of those. But um, How, yeah, but I was morally incorrect. I was morally correct about the ticket price because I was a child and they were charging me. From the age of 15, you're an adult. So they. Why are we talking about this? Um, anyway, so I used. Yeah, so I, what I'm, I'm justifying my, my, my criminality. But also, we didn't have any money. Like, um, for, we had, I used to have to get a train to school every day, and we didn't have enough money for, like, lunch. Cause, uh, so we used to have to bunk the ticket uh, to, to pay for it, because I grew up in the 50s. No, <laughs> <laughs> I was a working lad. No, um, anyway, whatever. What am I talking about? Um, we've gone a long way from Gatwick. Um, yeah, but I used to speak there. I feel like we're already getting into the... Uh, well, clearly, what is mediocre about you is not your criminal instincts and abilities because they are clearly not mediocre at all then used to be boring <laughs> um but but yeah, uh, yeah I, I, I what is mediocre but i mean there are things there are obviously the things which are mediocre about everyone but no one should call what they love anything about themselves mediocre because no one i feel like I don't like... It's like the phrase guilty pleasure. Like the... I hate that. If you take pleasure, you should not take, you know, that whole, oh, guilty pleasure music. And she, I hate that. Anyway, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Also, there's like, also things about the cultural things like music and art and literature and like, it's all subjective anyway. Like, all the music I listen to has a meaning which is completely beyond, which is completely mine because it's it's to do with memories, it's to do with um, where you are in the world, um, who you are. It's, 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 it's nonsense. Unless you're a, an, a, a sort of an officiant, an officiant, Unless you're a fish. Um, um, sorry. Unless you're an aficionado um, you, of, of something, you're an expert in something, then you can have kind of like interest in something. But everything else is subjective, I think. But the idea that mediocre is like on this continu- continuum between like interesting and, or, or like this average in the middle, I think is nonsense. It's a thing in itself. Um separate from any sort of like I just think things are I don't believe in binaries or or, or, yeah. or like or like um what's that word from one end to one end spectrums spectrums yes. um it's all little it's all different things it's all lots of blobs all over the place and people have different identities and lots of different blobs and they make them up and the idea that somebody would say anything that they liked was bland or mediocre is I, I don't necessarily like Things that are, I would probably call uh, things basically I don't like about myself because they're quite boring. Like, um, I really like audiobooks. Um, 
my favorite book is a sort of trashy gay uh, book, which I would love to give a shout out to because it's wonderful. It's called, have you ever heard of The Object of My Affection by Stephen McCauley? Oh, it's so bad. It's, no, it's not bad. It's just really kind of like, it's just a lovely, it's like a friend rom-com. And they made a film of it in the 90s, which was terrible because they rewrote the whole story with Jennifer Aniston and Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd in, I think, one of his only gay roles um, as, as unconvincing gay man. <laughs> um, <laughs> because we could possibly of, yeah. cast the gay man to do Nigel that. Hawthorne's in it as well. Sorry. One of our oh, friends writes um, gay. Yes. Love two, fiction. actually. I'm Helen not, and Ed both do. Yeah, yeah. I'm not quite oh, sure what the right terminology is for it. I used to date someone who does that. What's his name? Uh, so it's Helen Juliet writes um, erotic. Uh, I was going to say man on man. I'm not sure. But it's M called like MM. MM fiction, yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Like, I love it. Should, I, there's a bookshop in LA really called really good. Um, and Ed and I've forgotten his last name which is awful of me but Ed does as well he does a lot a lot of trans trans rom fiction as well I think oh. yeah we'll share there is a uh, there is a bookshop in I love romantic fiction uh, there's this bookshop in LA which does um, which is just a romance bookshop I think I think I might have made this up it might be called Romancing the Bone um, oh, but I'm, I think that might be wrong if um, not then let's open a bookshop and call it called that. Romancing the Bone <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Um, and it's just romance novels and I went in there and I found they had this massive LGBT selection and I just bought all these like super super ridiculous kind of oh they had such good names mm. yeah amazing but genuinely I don't think you should I don't think anyone should call them anything about themselves mediocre I and there is that thing which all therapists tell you and I, you do have to learn to love yourself and be okay with being kind of like with being kind of in the middle but I think that only works if you see everything in from me, from my perspective, if everything is like a sort of like linear kind of like the top and the bottom, you're either you're either great or you're bad. But like, I think trying to get away from some idea of mediocrity of of, of, of that kind of like spectrum at all is probably where you need to be. Like, why? Can I ask what the fear about being boring is? Why is that the thing that you keep coming back to? Um, I had a really boring upbringing, and I was always and I and I. I wasn't very funny when I was growing up. I, um, I wasn't very interested. I was, I was a very weird child. I genuinely was a very weird. I know I talk about this all the time. As well. I am quite. I'm not an actually with that much of a weird adult. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. I think I'm quite. Um, I don't think I'm that weird. Now I'm just thinking about all the weird things I do. I mean, yeah, no, I, I think I, I give off strange energy, but um, but I don't like. I don't like dress. I dress particularly. I don't. I'm quite boring in that respect. Um, I don't know what. What was your question? Sorry. I was going to ask, this is going to be a ridiculous question. It's impossible for you to answer, so I'll ask it anyway. But I'm just wondering about that that fear of boring because, and this is one of the themes of your show, David, but growing up gay, because there's such an expectation of being what you call the big gay character and you have to be extra and you have to be seen as fabulous because that's what we've pitched. And so growing up gay, if, if worrying that you're not, if you're not that, and if you don't feel like you're that, then are you anything? And, and then you saw all... the show, did that speak to you? Yeah, completely. Like, um... Yeah, well, not the sort of like the big character. I think just being aware of performance and being aware of who you are. I think actually I find gay identity quite useful because it's a good shield you can hide behind in awkward situations. Like um, the performance of of sort of like yeah. the weird archetype. But, um, but yeah, I don't really know. Um, I feel, yeah, I, I, I would be very, very interested. I, yeah, I think obviously queerness affects everything your gayness affects absolutely every aspect of my life and i was completely warped by um by that and i don't think that's a i am so grateful to hear you say that because i feel like so often we hear people say oh you know i don't want to be defined by my sexuality or it's just one part of me and i experience the world the way i do because 
I grew up mm-hmm. as a gay kid. And yeah. like it, it influences my interactions with everything in the world. How it, like when I sit on the bus, when I walk down the road, when we meet the guy who opens the studio, like everything about my life is influenced by being queer. And I find mm-hmm. it really difficult when I hear gay or straight people, but particularly men who are like, oh, it doesn't, you know, it's only one part of them. When it like, it is only one part of me, but it's affected everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that I think that's complete. I think it's also that I think we're in a bad. I think there are, the terminology needs to change as well about what actually specifically. I think for, I mean I've been focusing on my own experience about sort of like gayness for gay men. That the um, the term homosexual, for example, needs to just go away because like that's specifically about sort of the, the a sex, the sex act. yeah, and a sex act um, <laughs> or the sex. Um, <laughs> you can tell I haven't had sex in a while. <laughs> what were we talking about? The sex? Um, no. <laughs> The, no, like the being gay. Yeah, the being gay. There's a, there's like a, get, there, there needs to be something else because it's almost just like, well, it's just, it's just who, who you love. It's like, it's not about who I love. It's about who I am. It, it's, it's why, one um, of the things yeah. I said, uh, so about 18 months ago, I stopped describing myself as a gay man and I now describe myself as queer because I feel like a gay man describes, in theory, who I have mm. sex with, but queer describes the fact that I, that's how I live my life, that my life li- is lived not in the norm, mm. influenced by the fact of who in theory I am supposed to have sex with. And why I've made that sound so weird. Are you trying to tell us, David, that it's been a while? It's been. Let's not go there. Um, <laughs> On count of three, let's say how long. No. <laughs> <laughs> let's all say how long it's been since we had sex. I'd rather not. Are we, are we measuring in like months or years? No. Um, <laughs> uh, but oh yeah, like, that's, that's why I feel like I agree. There isn't quite the right terminology. So that's why I don't generally describe myself. Yeah. Tend not to describe myself as gay anymore. I think queer covers mm. the fact that, like, this is how I live my life. I really try and spend as little time interacting with straight people as possible. Yeah, and uh, just thinking... hi, any straight people that are watching or listening. Yeah, <laughs> we love you, and we'd like you Thanks to buy merch. So much, <laughs> buy merch, all... tickets, shows. And you are all great allies. Yeah, <laughs> you're doing a great job. Brilliant. Um, yeah, actually, yeah, no, I think the queer thing is really interesting. Um, I know, I yeah, I, I I try and say queer a lot more now. Um, but mainly just because I think like gay, I once um, was at Pride and someone was saying that like queer was a terrible term. I had a therapist tell me that queer was pretentious. Um, pretentious? A really bad therapist. Please tell me you was, changed therapist, um, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. He was a CBT therapist. I think it was his first kind of like wow. couple of years of practicing, but my God. Um, yeah, he was like, yeah, it's a bit pretentious, isn't it? To call yourself oh queer. I was like, fuck you. But multiple people in the in the LGBT plus community say that, uh, don't like the term because it's like a political thing. Yeah. And I just, I remember proving everyone wrong uh, by saying, well, gay is also like, I think I think there's also a, like a gender, gendered there element is. with gay because most people assume when you say gay that you've been you talking about men. Gay, gay men. Yeah. yeah. And they were like, that's not true. So I went up to a straight person and was just like, um, can you name me three stereotypes about gay people? And they were like, uh, like, rain, like uh, rainbow flags, drag queens, um, and oh, I can't think of another example. They just named a load of shit about gay men. And I was like, yeah. haha. Um, Whereas queer is much more gender inclusive. Yeah. Because yeah. it's like a, yeah. And it, I had to form this in my head before I thought, but I think because um, every sexuality is much more open, I think there's a lot of straight people who are much more um, open to try having different sexual experiences. That to me feels, which is great, fantastic. I'm not knocking that, but that feels different too. Yeah growing up queer and being yeah. queer. And I mean, I've come to it later in life and realised that I was, but it is, and I'm, which has been a very different experience and I'm very conscious of that. I've had a lot of straight privilege in my life um, and still do because I pass, right? But um, Same. But I think there's a, um, 
I'm sorry. That wasn't meant to stamp on I your, was being your so profound, sensitive, <laughs> so and so yeah, Michael heard a joke. The, the best yeah. joke to be he's fair. ever. I need and, that validation. Yeah. But yes, but I think there is a. I think to your point, there is a. Uh, obviously, I've lost it now, has it? But there is a thing that yeah, mm. it's great that people are much more open yeah. to sexually inflicting experience, but that is different to growing and being a queer person. We have spoken to a number of people recently, not on the podcast, but like in life, where um, they are of the belief that like the need for an identity and the coming out and things like that is really unimportant. And I just find it really difficult to, to hold that thought because it's such, a, I, I don't understand how it cannot be important when it's such an enormous part of my life. When I, even mm. somebody saying, oh, I don't think you should have to come out anymore. I really understand the sentiment. I really do. But when it was something that was so enormous for me, yeah. and I consider it really important, like in my previous life, I ran a number of businesses and things like that. And I was, I, I felt it was really important for me to be very openly gay and to be very open with all of my staff about the fact that I was, because I needed, because I was in a position of power and authority. I really wanted them to have that example. And so I don't really buy into this, oh, people should, you know, you don't yeah. need to talk about it. I'd really like to get to the point where people don't sit. Because when we were kids, and I'm very conscious of the fact that we are very similar ages, when... Oh, yeah, yeah. you're much older I'm than 21. Me. Uh-huh. <laughs> when we were kids... Oh, but it's been a hard life. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when we were kids, because we were born, like, in literally the same year, I think, mm. um, and it was the same with Jeremy, we, like, there was no, there was very few examples of people either in our own lives or yeah. on tv or like in positions of power or anything like that that you really knew about there was a lot of people that people spoke about but there wasn't that many people that were out and that you could really look up to and there was only very extreme examples there's a really interesting book um which i would like to plug uh by will there's a really interesting book which i'd like to plug uh by will it's got a terrible name it's called out of the shadows um which sounds really kind of like crap but it's a gay psychology book it's kind of like the so you've read the velvet rage other other readers have also bought um straight jacket and this book this book i discovered just randomly in gays the word and it is magnificent and what they and what he describes is uh the sort of like different generations of uh of gay men specifically as like pandemic gay men men who experienced the pandemic um we're talking about the og yeah. pandemic um and uh, then the sort of like then there's this kind of middle generation, which is what we belong to, which is the men who experienced, uh, sort of didn't experience it directly, but experienced the trauma, the, the, the aftermath and the whole kind of like no sex and shame and de- de- death and nightmare and all that stuff. And then there's the sort of people who have just no experience of that sort yeah. of the next generation. And we have to be very careful that we're actually living with multiple generations of gay men. So yeah. like yeah. people have different identities all the time, like lots and lots of gay men who are a bit older have a completely, who are in that pandemic generation, totally different experience of everything. Um, and we might have sort of like a, a different conception of like game women sort of like identity, but it's going to be totally different to somebody who didn't have that yeah. kind of like, I also just think I'm trying to think less about trauma so trying to sort of like like we all have these tra- traumatic youthful experiences and to think that that denotes kind of like a universal experience of of gayness which it doesn't anymore um what was my point so we've gone so far from mediocrity um i think it was uh, a very good point i think, I think that's really interesting yeah. it's something mm. i know you've talked about before yeah, about those different really generations and finding the ways their connections through that and they needing to learn from history but not i guess as always held back like and I, I mean, one of the things I think is fascinating is like the generation above, like above us, the older ones from us. Like, there's there's a lot fewer of them. Not all yeah. of them yeah. lived. 
I, I very often, when, when we are at the dancing, I very often pick up on the fact that, that like some of the younger kids will be like, or like moan about getting old. And I really try and consciously not moan about getting old because I think as a gay man, it's a privilege to get old because there's a whole group of people that didn't get to. And I'm just super conscious. Of the Billy Porter that, talked about that. Yeah. And like, we know a lot, like where they're, there's not, yeah. like they don't have their friends. You know, and it's that different mm. generation experience, you know. And, and Billy Porter talked to me when he was over doing uh, Pride in London. He was saying that he's, he's a few years older than me, I think, but the first generation that he was in, that they could be out and proud and, yeah. and joyful, um, but they're the first generation to then get elders who've been out most of their lives. Yeah. And what a, um, yes, it's a privilege, but it, it's a very specific experience. Yeah. And it's Nobody's very easy to, to take from... that for granted. Anyway, that was really interesting, Michael. Thank, Thank you. you. Uh, what are you promoting? Where can we find you? Just me. Just find me. <laughs> just in the streets. <laughs> I will be hiding. Grinder. You have to find me. You're definitely um, on Grinder. Do you remember that Smack the Pony sketch, which was... Um, I don't know, don't know why I decided to end with it. I would like to promote Smack the Pony. If you, anyone remembers that from I the do. late 90s, early 2000s. And <laughs> they used to do these dating videos. Oh and, my God, yeah. And it was the woman was just like, like uh, I can dissemble like, the Kalashnikov in five seconds. Oh my God. Like, uh, like, <laughs> like a very age-specific <laughs> reference again. You, you can message me. <laughs> yeah, your first your first mission, find me. Um, that's I completely garbled that. But anyway, yes, um, I am just my name is really unique, Michael Cumes. So I'm really Googleable. Um, so so Cumes is spelled C U M E S. Yes, uh, it's like comes. And what are you what comes with an E? Uh, what do you want when you give me an E? I can't come. It's a weird thing. <laughs> Who can come when they're on ecstasy? It's impossible. It's, it's impossible. just impossible. So we're going to have to put an over 18 thing on this now because of this ending comment. What is your username on Instagram? At Michael Cumes. There is no one else called Michael Cumes on Instagram, I think, which is really cool. Um, the, the actor in LA whose emails I sometimes get. Um, no, he's not an actor. He's unemployed. Um, that is that most actors. Well, I think he's stopped being an actor now. I sort of follow his. Um, <laughs> I think he now works at kind of Universal Studios or something as like a as like a manager right. or something. Oh. Um, I don't think that's Acting fine. He gets to live in LA. I love LA, so they've got a really good romantic bookshop. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good, amazing. <laughs> Sorry, I took us really off. To, uh, good. Thank you for coming. Oh, that's been really good. Really, yeah, really enjoyed that, Michael. That's I'm aware fantastic. that all your other guests you've said, we've got to have you on again. <laughs> and we're like, thanks for coming. Yeah. <laughs> Don't let the door hit you on your we way We will out. have you again, Michael. You've got lots to say. Right. Yes. Just made it um, Thanks for listening, everybody. You can find me on Instagram at Mr. David Ian. And you can find me at KTS Dale. And we'll catch you again soon. Bye. Thanks for listening to Mediocre Gay, the podcast. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. It helps other people find the show. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Mediocre Gay Pod. Or share your mediocre secrets with us on MediocreGayPod at gmail.com.